God is good, isn't he? Isn't he always good? And it's good to be together. It's good to be in his house, isn't it? God has a plan and a purpose, doesn't he? Say it out loud. God's got a plan and a purpose. And what's comma that? Ready? For me and for this church. Amen. Well, I want to preach to you today part four of a sermon series that I've been working on. And I want to firstly say this. I want you to say this out loud, and this will be the main theme of today's sermon. I want you to say, His grace is enough. His grace is enough. God has given us so much. A month ago now, when I began to start putting this sermon together, and, and it's been pieces now, and this is part four, I've been springboarding from this verse, which we're going to read right now, and it comes from the book of John, chapter 14. John 14, verse 18 says, No, I will not abandon you. Say, I'm not abandoned. I'm not an orphan, because Jesus said, and he did it, he, he answered this promise, he fulfilled this promise, he came back to us, he says, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, and since I live, you also will live, say, I live, because he's alive, verse 20 says, when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I'm in you. So everything we need is in Jesus. Everything. God has given us everything we need. That is mentally, that is physically, and that is spiritually. Everything we need in God, everything we need is in Christ. It has been given to us by the guarantee of our eternity, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our seal of eternity. He was our deposit. Jesus said, it's good that I go, because if I go, then I'm going to send him. And the Holy Spirit came and sealed us for eternity. And when he came, he did not just come with fire and with tongues, but he came and gave us remembrance of Christ. That is not just so that the disciples could write down the scriptures, but he's constantly reminding us of Christ, constantly reminding us of his love for us and his plan for us. Amen. God has given us, it says in 1 Corinthians, just a few verses to review here. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, you have every spiritual gift you need. Everybody say, I have every, not, not some, but every spiritual gifts I need as I eagerly wait for the return of my Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep me strong to the end so that I'll be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And he does this for he's faithful and he does what he says. And he's invited us into partnership. I want you to say that partnership. That's the Greek word koinonia. 
It's probably one of my favorite uh, Greek words of the entire Bible. I love it so much. I really only came to fully understand it just a couple of years ago. I knew the concept, but I just discovered this word. And maybe some of you knew that word much longer than that. But I just discovered this word a couple of years ago, and I've been obsessed with it because that's really what it is that we have in God as a partnership. It's really just like, and the Bible calls us this, an ambassador. Everybody say ambassador. Now, an ambassador is a reflection of their nation in another country. They're in a foreign land, but they are a reflection, a reflection of the beliefs of really the whole, even the spirit of the nation. I don't mean that in a spiritual way, but I mean like, you know, America has a, a spirit, right? The American spirit. You know, there's like a way about us. There's, a, there's an idea. There was that, you know, that we would go places that even other people wouldn't go. We would do things that other nations wouldn't do, and we gave, 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 gave. This world, by the way, this nation has done so much for this world. I'm not going to get political. I had no intention of getting political, so I'm going to make one statement and I'm done. But I'm tired of everyone in this modern era dogging America and that and, and trying to erase our history and that that we are just a big mess because we're not. This nation, God has used this nation to do so much for this world, and that's it. I'm not being political today, but but uh, God did so much for us, and we did so much for the world, and we went into the nations as ambassadors. We went into foreign lands, and we brought them, hopefully, and maybe, and some of them kept it, some went back, but we tried to bring them some of the freedom that we had here, some of the peace that we had here. Amen. But anyway, back to what I was saying. So as an ambassador, the ambassador would go into a foreign country and he would represent his nation. He doesn't just represent the president, but he represents the people. He represents the nation. Amen. So we are partners with God because God has a kingdom. It is outside this earth. It is greater than this earth. It is greater than the universe. It's hard for our human minds to imagine, but it is possible it's not impossible. See, we live in a physical world. God doesn't live in a physical world. So it's going to be hard to wrap our minds around this. But it is possible <laughs> that the universe itself is actually inside God's brain. Now, don't call me crazy because just 100 years ago, I could tell you that we could talk face-to-face -to, -face to anybody in the world Full HD, that'll be a joke 20 years. Like, what's HD? Like, what's VCR? But anyway, today, that's our technology, right? I can talk in 4K to someone on the other side of the world, and that would have been, like, you know, just mind-boggling, wouldn't even make sense. But, you know, when they actually zoom out, you know, they take space. I guess we're zooming in, but they take space, and they make it really small. And, you know, if you take a brain... You take a brain and all, all of the synapses and, and all the connections going on, and if you look at an image of what's happening inside the brain and what's happening in the universe, it actually looks, you couldn't tell the difference of a brain and the universe. And the point is that I'm just trying to make is that God is so big and he is outside of this earth, okay? Okay. 
He is not of this earth. He says, my ways are not your ways. He is bigger. He is greater. I want you to say that. God is bigger, and he is greater than this human earth. And yet, he loves this earth so much. <laughs> he loves it, calls us the apple of his eye. He calls us his love, right? And Jesus loved us so much that he left his throne and gave his life for us. So he loves this earth and he loves this human people so much. And God decided in his unbelievably <laughs> grand mind that we just can't even understand that it would be a good idea for human beings to be his representative of the kingdom in this nation and in this in this earth that's incredible that's the koinonia that's the partnership god outside of the heavens outside i mean so big he's beyond when i say the heavens i mean like beyond you know they used to be we just call it space but that used to be called heavens so i mean he's like beyond that we don't even understand that fully but we know the bible says that there's these first second and third heavens i mean we're talking god's god's big and he all the way out just the bigness the bible says the earth is his footstool so he's pretty big footstool is pretty small right you know i'm a footstool size of a bed it's a footstool so i mean that's a big god but even that I think that's just his way of expressing it to us. I think he's even bigger than we have even understood. He's outside of that. And yet, we here on the earth are his representatives, his ambassadors. In fact, we are supposed to be a mirror, everybody say mirror, image. When the Bible says we were made in the image of God, it wasn't something similar, but we were mirrored after him. What does a mirror reflect? Does a mirror reflect something similar, or does a mirror reflect the exact image? Amen. And so God, what happened is, is sin got in the way. Everybody say, sin got in the way. And the devil, for a season, and thank God it's only for a season, because we're in another season that's similar. The devil seizes opportunities. He seizes, at times, power and I can go through my Bible and I can go through history and I can see where he rose and I can see where he falls amen thank God that he does not win does he for a season it appears that he's winning but he is always crushed he is underneath the foot of God he is underneath our feet because we are his ambassadors we tread upon the lion we tread upon the serpent and we tread upon the scorpion because Really, what's happening in the spirit is it's not your foot anymore. It's Christ's foot in you. Amen. I know we're talking big today. We're getting out there today. But this is the word. That is his word. He's given us everything we need, not so that we can get rich or so that we can enrich our lives. I want you to, I'm going to say that out loud again. God did not give us everything we need so that we can get rich or enrich our lives. Sometimes we think, well, Christ has given me everything we need, and he gives me the desires of my heart. And I, and I said this in these last couple of weeks, he does give us many desires of our hearts, but that is not what that verse means. 
if you really take that verse and you apply it to New Testament theology, what you find if you scour the scriptures is that we actually give him our heart and he gives us his heart, which means now that the desires of my heart are the desires of his heart. Amen. And everything else that you get, you might think, well, that was the desire in my heart. No, it wasn't. That's just extra because it's not even real. I know that our minds, you're like short-circuiting when I say stuff like that. It's not real because you're like, of course it's real. I can touch it. I can see it. It's not real. This life is a matrix. It is. This is not real because your spirit was, the Bible says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. How's that possible? How's that possible? That means that you are something. I know we're like, you know, we know this, but I think we need to be reminded that you are something greater than this human condition, this human body. And we will be after as well. So this time being that we're on the earth, it has a purpose, and God has a purpose for us, and it's in partnership with him to work for him, for his, his plan, and for his kingdom and we are not expected to muscle up, to suck it up, to figure it out. We're not expected to grind through. But God has given us every single thing we need to do what he's asked us to do. There is no excuse for our lack. When we have lack, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting excited, we have him. In fact, that's the exact place we actually have to get to. Wow, that's the point of today's sermon. So if you don't remember anything, remember that. But I just, I'm reviewing here some things I believe that the Lord wanted to lay as a foundation, and then I really don't have a ton new that I want to add. I want to bring some things together. Everybody with me? It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. So there's we read from Paul and Corinthians, and we read from Peter here that and they're both saying the same thing, that we've been given everything we need, and it's to live a godly life. It's to live representing Christ. Yes, he gives us everything else we need because Jesus told us. Jesus said, the flowers of the field, they're beautiful, but and, and, the, and the sparrow is is. You know, going about its business. And I see the flower and I see the sparrow and the flower doesn't spin, it doesn't toil, and the bird doesn't worry. Neither should you. Don't worry about anything, right? Keep your eyes on me. I'll take care of you. So those needs are already settled. So when we read here in Corinthians and when we read here in Peter, he's not saying that, that's not valid. Yes, that's, those are needs, and we talked about some weeks ago, try to define need. You can't. It all, it's all relative. But in the Spirit, there is an actual need. I want you to say this out loud. In the Spirit, there is need. Human need is totally relative. It is completely relative based on where you live, based on your culture, etc. We, we already went through that some weeks ago when I told you about, and Justin came here and told you about the water. Their need and our needs are different, right? 
our need, it's like, well, I mean, I have to work because we put ourselves in the, in that, into that rat race. And for them, it's like, I need water today. So those needs are different. In the spirit, though, there is a, there is a plan that God is, is, is working, and there is an unraveling of his plan, and, and I believe that we are either in Revelation or we are on our way, fast approaching to the book of Revelation. And the enemy is trying to suffocate this earth and has been since Adam and Eve. But we are here to bring the good news, to preach the gospel, to bring life. And God has given us supernatural abilities, superpowers in the spiritual world to be able to accomplish that. In fact, you cannot do anything. We read in John chapter 15 that anything you do without me is useless. It's useless. In fact, he goes on further in John 15. It kind of, it's kind of extreme. It's hard for preachers to preach, but he says, you know what I do with the useless? He says, I, it's like branches, they're dead, and I cut them off, and I burn them. It's not just like, well, oh, okay, I want to please you, God, and, and I want to do something that you're happy with. Yes, that, that is absolutely part of my goal. I want to please him. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be pleasing to him, don't you? But simultaneously, you will not make it spiritually unless you actually grab a hold of the spiritual tools he's given us and use them. You cannot use human tools in a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual kingdom. That's what I was saying. It's not really in the earth. When you're fighting with your friend, you're fighting with a spouse, you're fighting with a co-worker, you're fighting with someone in traffic, you know, we know from the Bible, what's it say? You're not really fighting with them. It's not flesh and blood that you're fighting with. There's a spiritual battle going on, right? When you're praying and believing for a spouse, right, that's unsaved, and they're, you know, they're digging up names that you didn't even know existed for you. That's not you. It's not the flesh you that they're targeting, and it's not the flesh them that's saying it. Just like when Peter said, Jesus, I'll never let you go to the cross. And he says, Peter, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view. Satan, get behind me. So God connects Satan with the human thinking, and yet, what was contrary to what we would want, which was Christ, you know, Christ is going to die. Who would want that? Why would Peter want his, his love, his Savior, his Jesus here, his best friend really now at this point in his life to, to suffer, and, and we can do something about it? And God calls it human and calls him Satan. And so we see really that there is, not only is there a spiritual world, not only is God's kingdom uh, very real in this earth, but that we must really enter into that partnership and let him spiritually change us. And not just that, it's not just that we're changed so that I can have a better life, but so that I can effectively do what he's asked me to do and effectively fend off the enemy that I have no power against. 
But the moment that I enter into the human part, the moment I respond to that person with human words and human emotions, I've actually just entered the devil's sandbox. At that moment, he's won. You are powerless against him. Now, in Christ, he is under our foot. He's the young lion. He's the serpent. He's a scorpion. My Bible says, come on, who believes your Bible? What does your Bible say? That we trample on his head. And why does the world seem like it's all going to hell? Why do so many Christians live in sin? My Bible says I trample on his head. What's the problem? The problem is we're trying to live a Christian life humanly. We don't realize this partnership. We don't realize this koinonia. We try to do it humanly. You know, we don't even know that we're trying to do it in our own strength. And, and that's why I'm getting excited because I want to get to it, but I feel like I need to lay this foundation when I preach, some people preach, right, three-point sermons, seven-point sermons. My sermons are more like ballads. You guys know what a ballad is? It was always my favorite song on the album. It would be like the last song. You know, you had the three- and four-minute songs, and then the ballad was the ten-minute song that had no beginning and no end. It just kind of was like a journey. But at the, ver no, at the very end, though, it does get somewhere. It seems like it's not going to, but then it all comes together in this culmination. And that's always what I loved, the build-up. YouTube does that now, right? You find the song, like, I want to find that song on YouTube because that's where it'll be really good. That's where they're free, and they'll just turn that four-minute happy song into, like, a ten-minute ballad. And so, just back to my sermon here, God's given us everything we need, and it's not just so, it's not like, okay, God, you give him everything, and I want what you have for me because I want what's best for me. We need to understand something here that if we are not proactive about his kingdom and being proactive about actually uh, the spiritual gifts in us, and it's not about doing miracles and doing things and showing off to the world, but if we are not proactive about it, the enemy will win every single battle in your life. Who's had a few battles that you lost to him? Anybody? Now, was he more powerful than you, or did we lose our way, lose our cool? Who can say that, well, when you lost your battle, you were 100% Christian the entire time? Anybody? <laughs> so then what's the answer? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? In Christ, I have freedom, I have peace, I have joy, I have hope. And I have victory. And when I step out of Christ, I have chaos, and I have pain, and I have suffering. Now, the path to Christ includes pain and suffering and chaos because, oh man, I can, you know what? Can we just get there? Why? Because, let me just get there. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, even though, 
This is Paul speaking. He said, I received so much wonderful revelations from God. I had incredible revelations. He said, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body, but I was in a heavenly place a few verses back. And he said, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Verse 9. And each time he said, my grace. Let's read this out loud. My grace is all I need. You may know it as my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. My grace is all you need. He says, my power works best in weakness. And I love what Paul says here now. You know what he says? Come on, when we get to this place, you know that you have fully handed, handed it over to Christ when you can say this. Now I'm glad. This is, I know I've heard from a few of you in here, so it's okay. I know there's a few Christians in here because I've heard a few of you boasting about this same thing. I love being weak. I love going through it. Mm. He says, because the power of Christ can work through me then. See, what happens is, it's not that God, when we come to him, when we realize, okay, God, you have a kingdom, and I'm in the earth, and I know this feels real, and I'm, I realize it's not, and the enemy's trying to get me to fight him in this place, and fight with people in this place, and I'm aware of that, but I want to press through, and I want to get into that place in the spirit where... where it doesn't phase me. God doesn't come along and pick you up and take you to heaven. What happens is, is he gives you the power and he gives you the strength and he gives you the grace to go through it. He gives you grace, which is a superpower. I want you to say this. Grace is a superpower. He gives you the grace to keep your mouth shut. Ugh. You know how it starts? Come on, because it's him, but it's you. But it's him, but it's you. But it's him, but it's you. It starts with this tiny little inclination that says, don't say a word. Now, behind that little tiny statement from the Holy Spirit is actually this enormous power. Grace is literally like, it's like the Hoover Dam built up. I'm talking, there is so much power. Wow. I, I don't know if you guys realize, but the Holy Spirit just started preaching. There is so much power. Wow. Sitting behind your obedience in that moment. Do you know that suddenly, see, the Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. And what we do is we I say, I, I said a kind word, didn't work. Well, the Bible doesn't say how long it's going to take before the wrath to turn around. 
Amen. Who has seen wrath take 15 years to turn? A lot of kind words. A lot of self-sacrificing, self-death. If we can understand that if we can, and, and capture what God's got for us, that if I can be obedient and listen to him, and what God is actually asking you to do is just do what he's done for you. I want you to give grace here because I've given you grace. When you hold it back, oh man, you want chaos in your life? You want hell? Because what's going to happen is this. If I do what he says, grace is actually coming out like a flood, but in your human eyes, you don't see it. Their spirit knows it. That person, whether they admit it or not, they know. They know it. Man, <laughs> you know, I just read this. Uh, I just read that the Ku, Ku Klux Klan back in uh, Martin Luther King was having church service, and they said it actually had uh, some intel that they were going to march down his street. And so they met together, and they said, what should we do? And he said, I want you to go out front on the church steps, and I want to clap for them. I want you to cheer for them as they walk by. Wow. You know what happened? Anybody know what happened? No, you don't, because nothing happened. I had nothing. Their fuel, their fire is gone. They walked down the street and just fizzled out. Just walked away. Imagine they came out for a fight. You know what happens when a human puts his chest up to another human? Come on. You know the finger poke. Oh, you just broke the touch barrier. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, once that finger touches your chest, wow. It was one thing, words, but once that finger touches that chest, starts poking on them. What is it? Why is that so hard to resist? Why is that so hard? Now listen, so what I was saying is this. This is what's going to happen. Grace starts moving towards that person the second that you are obedient for the Lord and let grace out. You just don't see it in the natural. Whether they admit it or whether they even acknowledge it or they know it yet, grace is moving towards their life because you just released it. You are a conduit for God. You, this is why I started to say last week. You have the Lord's name on you. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. The devil wants to belittle us. The devil wants to keep us trapped in sin, wants to keep us trapped in this world, and he wants to keep us trapped in bickering and in fighting and all this because every single time we listen to him and do what he wants and act human, we are literally keeping a dam up for the spirit of the Lord. We are keeping, we are literally holding, little me, God of the universe can hold back his spirit from this person. And listen, I didn't create the way. I didn't decide. God did. But he decided a long time ago that he was going to move in this earth through fellow human beings. He decided, Peter, John, I want you to meet with 120, and I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and family by family, one by one, prison mate by prison mate, prison guard by prison guard, leader by leader, I'm going to spread something 
to this world through you. When we resist him and we hold back grace, you have a similar temporary feeling (laughs) of opposition and of chaos and of hell, except what happens is you just started a ruthless cycle, and it's not going to stop. Whereas we're obedient, there's still some suffering and there's chaos because that person is not necessarily going to say, you know what, you're right, I was wrong. 99.9% of the time when you show love and grace, they will not say that immediately. And so that means it's going to take you to be spiritual and not mental because your mind is computing and you're saying, well, the situation hasn't changed, so I'm going to revert back to what I know. We do it so fast. We trust God literally in a microsecond. And if he doesn't respond in one microsecond, we're on to back to reverting to what we know works or what doesn't work. And we think it works, but it really doesn't. Anybody getting anything out of this today? He says, my grace is all you need. He said, verse 9 My power works best in weakness. He said, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He says, verse 10, that's why I take pleasure. That's all. I was just talking to Rick on the way in. He's like, I'm just, I'm taking pleasure. I'm just, I'm actually having a great time in my weaknesses. I'm just, I'm on cloud nine in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in troubles. Just loving it. Loving life, man. He says, I take pleasure in these things, the things I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. You actually, in Christ, have to come to the place of weakness. Someone got really offended at me once when I said I get saved every day because I say, I say bold statements and they don't understand what I'm saying and then they won't listen to my explanation. They just, Phew. that's it. I like shocking people because, you know, it's really what the thing is. The shock is really the truth, but we just, we, we, all, we want a nicety everything. We want to sugarcoat everything, but this is the reality. When we came to Jesus... You got on your knees, you broke, you wept, you repented. At that moment, you are completely weak before him. Your weakness was exposed. You understood that I don't have the answers. I'm a failure. I've messed it up. And if you haven't, then you haven't gotten saved yet. (laughs) Not this church, maybe someone listening. But you came to him and you said, Jesus, maybe you can do something with my life. I've made a mess of it, so maybe you could work something through it. You can do a miracle through my life. What Paul realized was 
I don't want to do that once at an altar call. He realized that that is a lifestyle. Amen. When we think we're strong, what's the Bible say? Pride comes before the fall. You know, I don't like, I'm not spooky. Ever see everybody's shocked because you're not letting me finish. Let me finish my statement. Gosh. The words of Michael Scott. <clears throat> I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. I'm so careful about pride. The second I know it or realize it or the Lord reveals it to me, I repent for stupid things. If I'm prideful about a really good job that I did, you know, it's one thing. Everybody wants someone to say you did a nice job. And that's not necessarily pride. But when I realize it's pride, even though it's not life and death, it has nothing to do with other people, I repent. I am so careful about that place because pride comes before the fall. If I'm out doing something adventurous and I think I'm riding my bike really good, I just tell the Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and that your angels are with me. Like I said, it's not superstitious. But I'm so aware, I believe his word to a fault, I guess. Is that the right way to say that? Where I, I even maybe get silly with it. But I believe his word so much that I believe that the second I think I'm riding really good. What happens, right? Come on, who's been there? You're showing off and then you trip. Come on. Jeannie would tell you the story, right? The lipstick. She thought it was chapstick. Everybody's looking at her, man. Looking good today. Wow. Man. Gets in the car, looks in the mirror, and she's literally a clown for the circus. <laughs> if you guys don't know the story, she thought that chapstick was, she thought she was using chapstick and went wide. Because it just felt so good. And it was lipstick. Fluorescent. Pride comes before the fall. Amen. It's our weakness. In fact, this is what I believe that the Lord says. He says, my power works best when you don't have power. It's when I don't have power, that's when God's power comes to life. If God were to say it in 2021 language, he would say, my strength becomes evident when you don't have any. It's at the moment that we cry out to him, just like we cried out the first time. And I know that I know that I know that I had, I had nothing to do with this. I had no strength. I had nothing. At that moment, what happens? When he comes through for you and sustains you in that situation, you know what happens? It wasn't just that his power showed up and God showed off. It's not just so that you got through that situation, but what happens when, who has had a situation where God came through for you and you knew that there was no other way? Anybody in here? I think we've all been through those testimonies. You know what happens actually? You know why he says, I take pleasure in it and there's a gift in it? Because he realized after the fact, wow, I was weak and I cried and I prayed and the Lord actually cares 
about me and my situation, what happens? A faith begins to grow. Strength begins to grow. Now what happens is, as it grows, the Lord will allow the situations to become more severe, not because he wants to see you suffer more, because like when you're a baby Christian, and then as you start growing, right, then you're like, whoa, this is a lot harder than it used to be. Does that mean that, you know, like, you know, at first we're like, you're checking yourself, like, maybe I stopped tithing and forgot. Maybe I got into sin. I mean, like, what's going on here? No. You're going through stuff. You're going through hardships. You're going through chaos. But it's because we must, but now there's this faith and there's a strength that's 100% him. It's still all him. But what's happened is, is now it's actually gotten into, you are a new creation in Christ. Your DNA has begun to change. And to make sure you don't think it's you, he allows the situations actually to be greater and greater and greater and greater. Not so it'll be necessarily harder for us. It's actually the same amount of believing and crying out to him as it was to begin with. It might sound louder and seem more extreme. I have more faith now. I'm believing like I've never believed before. Yes, but it's the same amount of effort. There's just a greater need in front of me. But I also have greater strength because I believe him so much and I have faith. But he doesn't want us ever to think that we can do it and we've got the strength. And what happens is the moment we do, and this is a trap from the enemy for mature believers, is the moment we think we've got it, there's like this time, you know, when the engine shuts off in the plane and it coasts for a while. Man, that must be horrible, by the way. Because you know what's coming, you're just coasting along. That's kind of what happens. For a little while, you're coasting and you're just like, man, I, I guess I got this now guess I got, I, wow, doing good. Used to be the Lord, now it's me. And for a moment, and then you know what's going to happen is the ground starts getting closer and closer and closer. We have to cry out today. We have to actually get into this place. We must realize this is a spiritual, we are spirit. You are not a human. You are a spirit in a human body. Your human body is dead. You just don't know it yet. But the Bible, I believe my Bible, my Bible says in Colossians and in Romans that my body died with Christ. Your mind says that's not possible because that was 2,000 years ago, but you, your mind is lying to you. The spirit, my Bible is the truth. My mind is the liar. Doesn't matter if I, does, that doesn't seem right or feels right or looks right. My Bible says that it died with Christ and I'm alive with him, which means he's spirit, I'm spirit which means I must think spirit, act spirit, talk spirit. That means talk like the word, believe like the word. That means if he says to be quiet, going back to our example earlier, then I be quiet, period. Amen. I want to show you something. This is Dawn's cup of coffee. This is prized to her. Do you guys know what this is? This is a cup of coffee. Now, I want you guys to get something just really quick. I'm closing right here. But the Lord just gave me this visual today. I just, for, at least for me, maybe it'll speak to you, but for me, I just got it. I said, wow, Lord, I really get it. Inside of this cup is caffeine. Technically, a coffee bean was 
water was run through coffee beans at pressure to create caffeine in a drink. But Dawn holds this cup, and you're looking at a cup. Who sees a cup? Anybody see a cup? Who sees coffee? Anybody see coffee? Anybody? This cup is literally worthless. It's just paper and plastic, and there is zero caffeine in this cup. None. None whatsoever. And yet, here, I'm going to bring a 2020 word for you guys. It's essential. This cup is an essential worker. It was very needed for Dawn in 2020. <laughs> it would be impossible, or pretty hard, because it wouldn't be mobile. She would have to stand in the kitchen underneath the Keurig and want to drink the whole thing at once without a cup. Amen. Anybody getting where I'm going with this? You realize that your shell is worthless. It has so much value. It's essential. I want you to say it out loud. I'm essential. I'm not trying to get weird or get prideful, but I'm essential, say it again, because I carry the Spirit of God within me. Even though I'm just cardboard and plastic, and some of that will decompose, the Spirit of God within me is powerful. And see, this cup is only a conduit. It's just a carrier. That's all it's doing. And yet, if it, we didn't have it, then we would have millions and millions of people in the world be pretty angry right now. <laughs> Not because of the cup, because, but because it serves its purpose. You are serving an essential purpose in this earth. In the moment that we forget, you see the devil, he just, the Bible says there's many different types of soil. Seed goes into the ground. It's not just at salvation, but this is at every single time we get a revelation, every time the Lord speaks. I believe every single time he speaks, not just the first time. It's not just the seed of salvation that went into good ground, but every single time there is a truth that the Lord is offering. We can either be the footpath, we can be the thorny ground, we can be the shallow ground, or we can be the good, deep, dark soil that it gets down into and grows and becomes life. Amen. And right now what the Lord is speaking is that there is a truth, there is a, a word that we have been given grace, and it is so powerful. It didn't just cover us. It doesn't just cover our sin. Yes, that's a, a, a major portion of the gospel. But I would say if I said the word grace to 90% of Christians, 90% of Christians would say that grace is what saves me from my sin. And maybe 10% would say grace is what empowers me to do what God's asked me to do. There's all this soul-searching and what's my purpose, how do I get there, and how can I have the most fun doing it? I want to pick something that's fun, something that's enjoyable. Maybe I'll be a missionary in the island of Hawaii. It's an island. There's natives there. We are essential, and God's got a plan and a purpose for us and through us. 
and grace simultaneously while it's working on the junk in us, and thank God he covers us. You know, God's covering you in the meantime. Grace is doing all of that, but also grace is trying to get out of you. You are literally a carrier of grace. It's a superpower. God's grace, it's unbelievable. I wish I could get more into it, but just unraveling how powerful his grace is. What it did in you, just imagine what it could do if we let it out of us into someone else's life. Amen. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you, God. There's so much life in your word. We thank you that there's truth in your word. And I thank you, Lord, your word is timeless. It is just as relevant today as it was the day, Lord, that you imagined it in your mind. God, we thank you and we praise you. And we just give you glory, Lord, today. And we thank you, Jesus, that in this spiritual world that we really live, I thank you, Lord, we are not abandoned, but we have everything we need in you. You have given us your Holy Spirit. You have given us grace and mercy and peace and joy and hope and life in you. And I thank you, Lord, that we are carriers of that. We literally carry you around as ambassadors. We are the partners. We are the earth representatives of your heart in heaven. And I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord God, that you would, Lord, open our mouth. Lord, that we would uh, speak that word when it needs to be spoken. But God, at the same time, that we would be quiet when we need to be quiet. I pray that we would, Lord, not be afraid to do what you ask us to do. But Lord, we would also be cautious when we think we don't need to be afraid. God, I pray that you would lead us, lead this church in this coming season, God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God.